0: This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable!
1: From the Embassy Row studios in the crap part of Soho is the Men in Blazers podcast. We're back. Oh, we're back, 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 back. Like Beyonce's twins, but bald in English. Yeah. And you're back. I'm back from from Houston. Houston, Texas. I like Houston. You do? I like Houston a lot. It's sprawling. Yeah, shout out to all the GFOPs I met down there. I I met. I was producing the Barstool rundown show for uh, Comedy Central down there. Plus, we had Good Morning Football, plus Katie Nolan. I really enjoy the Venn Men diagram. I, not really enjoy, I really enjoy the Venn diagram of our GFOPs who are also into Barstool. It's yeah. a really interesting group of uh, young guys, young and, women. And those, Very nice to meet you. Those, how many, what percentage would you put it at? Maybe 5 to
0: 10%. For that 5 to 10%, Devo's now lobbying for the Men in Blazers local smoke show of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. Oh, no. Well, first of all, we're going to so do... So, Leah from UMass, just put
1: your photos away. Yeah, first of all, it's going to be the Bachelor Devo version. Oh, that! Yeah. I am interested in you that, are, that, I truly yeah. am.
0: I think it would be an amazing Bachelor. Yeah,
1: the Dave-chiller. Yeah, I Dave Ochola.
0: Do I get to be one of the advisors on the uh, on the, the trip home? Uh, yeah. well, home you might be, you're just
1: handling the roses. <laughs> I don't know what your role would be on that.
0: Don't they phone a friend?
1: I don't know what they do. Oh, it doesn't really happen. There aren't really a board of advisors on the Bachelor. I'm not sure you've ever seen the show. Oh, I, I can see you in the Chris Harrison role, Rog. Oh, I'd be honoured. Yeah, I'm not fit to to wear
0: Chris Harrison's shoes. I think he's loafers. an Arsenal fan, by the way. Um, but I've got to say, I think yeah. be, I think you arguably would be one of the best Bachelors since Jesse Palmer. <laughs> In my opinion. Oh, but while we're talking about <laughs> yeah. that, Dave,
1: we've got a Super Bowl to talk about. Oh, my God. I enjoyed the sport. That was think? proper sport. I don't
0: know if I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if that would be the word. Yeah. I, did. I will say, NFL, I know you're listening. Great friend yeah. of the pod, NFL. The only way you could make this event better, because yeah. it is amazing, is if you answered one of the letters I've sent to you since Super Bowl 20 every single year, begging you to have Tracy Chapman play the half-time <laughs> show. That is what America wants. But uh-huh. Before we get to the actual game, David, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the spectacle. As a television producer in your yeah. own right, yeah. I will say, I watched the Super Bowl mm-hmm. for several reasons. Partly as a sporting spectacle, but mostly as a, wow, the Fox put so much money into every single aspect of that pregame show. Mm-hmm. I mean, their production values. i got to say, i got a lot of ideas about how to do our show better from watching Fox. Really? Sports. Like yeah. what? I'm going to get Ving Rames to do the voiceovers yeah. for Men in Blazers. Good idea. Did they just have like a pile of cash that they wanted a bird put in a Ving, push the finger? It was amazing, David. Yeah. But from a production perspective,
1: well here's the thing, you, I just mean,
0: like, you make you make massive television shows in panic rooms. They're making like, oh, so
1: oh. much revenue, frankly, Fox, from having this on air, that of course they're gonna put it into the production. They're gonna spend more money, they're gonna be more cameras, they're gonna be more celebrities. I mean, by the way, being down in Houston all last week, I left on Saturday, but the events leading up to it are sensational. It's getting bigger than ever. There's nothing like that in English football. There's nothing like that in the FA crap. There's nothing like that in any of our football. The World Cup doesn't have any of that build-up. The World Cup, literally nothing happens, and then the games kick off on the day. Pre-week of pre-game is the and, amount of money that NFL and the way
0: they weave the mythology into the fiber of American mythology. Yeah, that's, what, the, that's what football can't do because it is the
1: world's game. You're so right. And the NFL honors on uh, Saturday night and the Hall of Fame, the election of the you know the six players to the Hall of Fame, like it was all so perfectly choreographed. Brilliantly done. Houston handled it fantastically. But you're right. Fox spent a lot of money. But you can see it there in the production. You can see it in the close-ups, the number of EVS operators, the people who have the highlights, that they have so many angles, so many close-ups, so – it was just brilliantly covered. You mean they do it
0: with more than just J-Dubs and Lexi? They do
1: do it. It's a little bit larger than our production. I can't even mention it. But having said that, would the Super Bowl rate any differently if it was produced by just, you know, J-W, Lexi – and our own team. That's always your theory. Which is JW and Lexi. That's always your theory about rate. massive sporting inside,
0: not... You love when the, the different networks put out a press
1: release and say it was the biggest yeah, uh,
0: it Olympics it... or the biggest yeah. Super Bowl ever. And you're, it it's
1: not is... the network that produced it that made the ratings. It was the quality of the football, of the sport that actually did the rating. I think production is important, but really the rating is generated not by the network that makes it, I'm sorry to all of my friends at all of the networks who put out those press releases, but it's uh, it's about the quality of the uh, content itself. More Johnny Cash pregame, yeah, better ratings, David. Yeah,
0: we should talk quickly about the game itself. Not for me. Yeah, are we going to talk about Gaggar too? Perspective. Yeah, if you want, Gaggar
1: out. I thought. I thought. Gaga, by the please. way, I thought she was amazing, and I had no high hopes for that. I was did did not think that the. Uh, I was not looking forward to seeing Gaga at halftime, and she blew me away. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. we at the party where I was at, Rog, watching it. All of the young people came into the room to go and watch the Lady Gaga bit, and they all left when the second half kicked off, yep. pretty much. I thought she was unbelievable. She was ambitious. The energy she showed, like, through every single moment. She's not the greatest dancer. She's not the greatest singer. She doesn't have the greatest tunes, but I'm not sure that anybody has ever bought more... Energy and enthusiasm, not just to the halftime show. You even watch her press conference last week. Watch her press appearances. She just came there in order to go and deliver, to uplift the spirits of the country when we all need it. it was fantastic stuff. And sell
0: Tiffany's products. I was really, to be quite honest, I was just snorting up lines of uh, pigs in a blanket. while Well, that was going, oh my God. Yeah, it's why I came. Interesting. It's why I came like Scarface, but with pigs in a blanket. Uh It's just, I mean. So you're watching on your own then? I've got to tell (laughs) you. I don't know quite understand where pigs in a blanket, what what tree they grow on, but it is one of the most unbelievable. The pig in a a a blanket tree. If I had to choose one food stuff, if somebody came to me and said, bad news, you can only eat one product for the rest of your life, one natural, organic, healthy product, Probably, I think maybe Korean food, some kind of some kind of Korean <sighs> kimchi kind of bait. No, I was thinking, you know what? I'd go pigs in a blanket. Yeah, I was absolutely snorting them up. Uh,
1: Pescatarian Davo would still go fish tacos, Rog.
0: <sighs> can we talk about the game itself, not yeah, we the can. X's and O's? Yeah, because there's other podcasts that we do do uh, that are better. You under your non de plume, Bill Barnes, well, <laughs> but I um, I thought it was fascinating from a fan perspective, just in. A life perspective, now that So Spursy has now been officially name changed to So Falcony, when did you realise, Michael Davis, that everything was going to go utterly, miserably, truly, madly, deeply, darkly to crap for the beautiful team of tomorrow, the Atlanta
1: Falcons? I think it was when the Atlanta owner came down to the sideline with his wife. That, was, that, was, that was celebrating to too early. To do his little horror. There was a little bit of celebrating too early. That worried me. And then, you know, when they. uh, I was before that, I've got to be honest. They pinned it back with the field goal. They were 16 points behind. They just needed two touchdowns with two point conversions to tie the game. And you looked at the clock, you thought about Belichick, you thought about Brady, and you thought, (sighs) oh, they can go and do that. And then when Julio Jones made that catch, that was one of the greatest feats of football in any code by a man named Jones, even better than Phil Jones. And then that was outdone. By an even more amazing catch, the ankle catch. Yeah. By the greatest
0: half Jewish athlete, possibly since Samson. Yeah.
1: Your son? No. No, he's full I Jewish. Wish. <laughs> no, I wish. No, um, I Yeah, that was amazing, Edelman, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. A, that was a brilliant catch. So I think at those moments, that, that sort of to me, I knew things happened. were going
0: to go to crap for Atlanta. Yeah. In the pregame, mm. when oh, really? the amazing singers from Hamilton. Yeah. Sang, oh, America the Beautiful. Yeah. And they just cheekily added and sisterhood to the brotherhood line. And I was watching at home and I put down my pig in a blanket momentarily. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I thought, for the first time in weeks, I feel full of hope, Dave. Yeah. And then the Fox cameras just immediately cut in close up to Bill Belichick's huge unmoved um, stoic mug. And I immediately felt utterly bereft, cold, and lonely again. Yeah. And so I'd say, for those of you listening in Atlanta, GFOPs in Atlanta. He is a
1: Dementor. He's like the Dementors in Harry Potter who breathe the life out of you. Poor, they will take you out. Belichick is such a death. <sighs>
0: I feel for Atlanta. I feel for the city. I feel for the team. To me, there's such a force of good. On the brink, Davo, of conquering, of battering, of battering mm. the vaunted Patriots, the Patriots of Travolta, damn you, Affleck, Bon John Jovi, they turned them into the Tony Eason and Steve Grogan Patriots of Super Bowl 20. They tasted victory. They began to see Arthur Blank's post-match boogie-woogie dance horror of glory, Davo. They, they were already trying to work out which strip club would Ludacris base himself in for the next week, Davo. Where would he camp out? Only to see it coming all burning down around them in ways probably only known to Brendan Rodgers. That way of losing, Davo. That, that way of just crushing defeat. Which I'm so familiar with from my own personal life, one in which it felt like no one in the Atlanta Falcons organization had watched Game of Thrones and seen that you don't ask your opponent to confess before they die, like the viper with the mountain, to come so close to victory. that emotional arc, Davo. It was like watching Liverpool's entire season play out just in the course
1: of one game of NFL football. Yeah, they had so many moments so, dark. so many moments when they won it. The, um, so don't you feel for them? At the end of the them? third do quarter... Do you feel for them? At the end of the third quarter, when New England did that, they tried that onside kick and failed. And Belichick was going, you hadn't ever seen that Belichick on the sideline. Like, we failed to execute. How did we do that? And it was just... It was felt over. 19 points down, two minutes left to go in the third... I mean, it's just like you... Uh, Atlanta won it so many times. Yeah. And yet... Didn't, didn't ever win it. This is why sport is, sport is so good. Football is so good. All codes of football. You're all related. I'll just say Games f- played by men on foot. Oh,
0: Falcon women. Yeah.
1: And uh, f- bipeds. When I say men, Don't I mean bipeds. I, I love
0: watching the, ho- the Budweiser horses play football in the yeah. commercial. Oh, you like it was fantastic. The, you, I was entranced. Four. But I'll say, Falcons fans, the puppy bowl as an enjoyed. Everton fan, take it from me. The classic beautiful Kipling poem. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, of course you can't completely. But that is what life is all about. And those words are for you today. Uh You still have Donald Glover. You still have Migos. The Patriots just have Affleck and Stephen Uh Bloody Tyler. They win the battle. I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling you're going to win the war. But Dave, Tom Brady, got to talk about him for a second because I'll look at him. He has got a lifetime of political and cultural baggage, let's just say. But to stare defeat in the face... And humiliation that shot they kept showing of him it became a meme in the first half of him sideline head in hands just absolutely bereft i've been there but i've never had millions and millions and millions of people enjoying that i am there devo head in hands on the sideline to drag yourself off the floor and to rebound and to just will to gut your team to glory you know, as a against leader the, against <sighs>
1: the season long MVP as well. It's a look, he's 39 years old. This is the most remarkable thing about Brady. He's 39 years old. Latan's just a baby. I know. He's like he's Brad Friedel's age, Roger. It's a half half Brad Friedel's a, age. You've never seen Brady roughed up like that and still come back and win like that. I just admire that.
0: <sighs> but oh God, at the same time, this was possibly the worst possible time to have to put American children to bed, have him reinforce that age old brutal truth. Evil. Always wins. <laughs> I've spending my whole eighty seven percent of my life, Dave, fact checking my Twitter feed obsessive compulsively, even though uh, every time I do look at it, it makes me feel doomed, bereft. Only i do it again immediately five minutes later. Mm. I do believe only the Germans have a word for that state of mind. Tweeting about sporting pain and failure. The Men in Blazers show. We're back next Monday, five thirty. We also have a raven coming out on Friday on newsletter, which you can sign up for at meninblazers.com. This week, Davo puts pen to paper to unleash the poetry of his finest three moments of Frank Lampard's career.
1: Yeah, one of them, by the way, was also uh, this won't be in there because it's not one of his career moments. Was when I ran into him in the J Crew in Southampton that would be up there <laughs> that's number 4 <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be right up there uh,
0: and i am going to answer a GFOP's raven who asked why i don't name check the work of mr bob segamore <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> great Very question good.
1: Very good question. Oh,
0: but to the football.
1: Yeah, we got a pack show, Rog. We're gonna break down Chelsea's emphatic 3-1 defeat of crosstown rival Arsenal. That was my Super Bowl, while making premature assertions about the longevity of the title race. We lift the hood on a sputtering Liverpool. Rog strangely sputtering Liverpool after Take No two pleasure two in that nil lost lowly hull. And we discuss a certain player in Manchester whose name conjures religious. Undertones, Zlatan. Okay, Rog, to the football. Crack open the Guinness. Get it in that pint glass. Oh, I just say this is the most unforgiving
0: Premier League season of all time. It seems mm. like Klopp, Mourinho, and Pep flip flop between being seen as godlike one week, deeply mm. flawed mortals the next. Or in Pep's case, he does that flop three times during the 90 minutes. So to Premier League managers, David.
1: Yes, Rog, to Premier League managers, especially my one, Antonio Conte. Oh, uh, Guinness. We're 24 38 of the way through the season, Rog. That reduces to 12-19s. Oh, this is the back bit, Rog. And it isn't every year that the NFL and Premier League crowned champions on the same weekend. That's not true. Chelsea 3, Arsenal won an incisive win for Antonio Conte's side against the team that walloped them 3-0 back in September. Remember that, Rog, prompting a change of system and sparking this staggering run of form. A Marcus Alonso header slaloming Eden Hazard run and finish, and a sesque sand wedge. See Chelsea through last week's Liverpool-Arsenal gauntlet with four points out of a possible six. They are nine clear at the top. Mm-hmm. Arsenal, meanwhile, slipped to fourth, 12 points off the league leaders.
0: Ultimately, this was a massive game. It was far less than it should have been. Not because the quality was poor, but only because it was so bloody predictable, devoid of suspense and doubt. I mean, in the seconds running up to kick-off, all I thought about were West Coast Arsenal fans getting out of bed before 4.30am to watch their team assume the position passively and just wilt, and so it proved to be.
1: Yeah. Chelsea, over the years, have had such a great record against Arsenal Mm. because they just have physically demolished them in the midfield, and Arsenal press against them, and Chelsea just bounce back, it hit them, and they've out-physicaled them. That's been pretty much the story of this entire run. It was the entire story of Mourinho versus (laughs) Wenger until the very uh, end days of of that rivalry. And it is uh, obviously the first game. Antonio Conte learned a lot from that first game, learned so much that he changed his entire system. And today, it was just a recap. And by the way, an even more physically dominant performance than we even saw under Uh, Jose, with speed on the counter that was breathtaking at times and one absolutely remarkable goal that I think would grace any elite fixture.
0: I mean, the sad part of it was that Arsenal tried to set off on the front foot. they really did. They tried to, from the out, they tried to play like a Champions League team in a second leg game where they knew they had to score. They knew they had to win. But even when doing that, they were always jittery, knowing that Chelsea could just punish them like a repressed client arriving at a dominatrix for a session with a whip.
1: And the Chelsea players were up for it as well, Rog. Oh. They were up for it. Big they pa- they
0: seem to pace intentionally their three goals evenly through the game to inflict <laughs> maximum psychological pain. Yeah. Because in that thirteenth minute, David.
1: Yeah. Diego Costa was oh. ready for it, Rog. For his cranium. Helped, oh, he helped make the uh, make that first goal. Pedro puts it in. Pedro has been so great all season. Pedro puts it in. Diego Costa f- smashing header against the bar. Maybe a little bit of hand. I can't remember. But it's like a uh, smashes against the bar. Uh, it goes up in the air. Frankly, Marcus Ugh. Alonso, like a striker. It was Andy Carroll-like, Rog. He's moving at speed. You know, Bellerin, unfortunately, not moving at speed. Uh, Marcus Alonso poor out-jumps Bellerin. him, gets up, and poor Bellerin ends up oh, on Beller- the floor.
0: Bellerin had tried to stop Costa. Yeah. And they mortally wounded. Yeah. He's like a private, private Bellerin. Mm. Stuck to his duty. Yeah. He dragged himself off the floor. Yeah. Only to be finished off by that elbow to the head. Yeah. I mean, there were just Arsenal defenders littered all over the floor as if it was a civil war battle filled with futile despair. Yeah. It was all so arsenally. Arsenal fans, livid with the Alonso flailing elbow. I've got to say, I do understand their pain. To me, it wasn't a foul. You were comparing it to an Andy Carroll effort, whether he
1: was using the elbow to get the height he needed to, uh, to deliver the, the fatal blow. I, I mean, look, I, I don't think it was a foul. But at the same time, it could easily have been called as a foul. I would say that these things do sometimes get called as a foul. But I think that in real speed, it's very tough. The referees do not have slow motion in, in real time. They don't. They don't. They do mm-hmm. not have slow motion in real they're... time. And when you watch that in real time, Alonso's moving at speed and he jumps much higher. Bellerin, is, he's, he's going backwards and diagonally. He just can't move that fast. And he never got up in the air anywhere near the height of Alonso. I don't think it was an intentional... Elbow, I think he's just up high. The elbows are there for lift, and it hit Bellerin, yeah, which is unfortunate.
0: To me, it was just a target for Arsenal fans to just vent a half-season full of suffering. Inferiority, and before, dang, in disappointment. This, it's
1: not like this is the first time this has Anger happened. Anger at the lack
0: days. of transfer moves, of Ozil vanishing in big games, of Theo never truly
1: becoming... Theo! It always being Theo.
0: Of just Groundhog Day suffering. The elbow was like a vent, a symbol, an opportunity for primal howling. But... God, that image of the elbow in Bellerin's temple as he delivered that killer blow, that double coup de grace, should be painted in oils and hung up and called the pain of supporting Arsenal Football Club. Arsene Wenger, we want you to stay, bellowed the Chelsea fans. Of course they did. Because what was fascinating, in a game so seismic, so Mm. defining, Davo, should have been met with just a fury. They put one of yours on the sideline. You put one of theirs in the... In the morgue. Yeah. I mean, instead, a suddenly cowing Arsenal, they just look skittish, confident. Sergio Azard, Costa, the excellent Pedro, just charge forward. In truth, Arsenal
1: were lucky to reach half time only 1 0 down. That second goal, it's a. The first half of that goal is the first half of almost all the important goals scored in this fixture. you talking about the Azard goal of the yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the first half of that. Arsenal on the attack, they lose possession. <laughs> They lose three 50 balls in midfield, and they didn't lose them by a whisker. They lost them decisively. <sighs> My 50 balls. Azad breaks. Louise, by the way, was again excellent in this game. All of Chelsea's defence were excellent. Um, uh, Azad breaks through that run. Half oh, that finish, the field. I mean, amazing. Shrugging amazing off Kashelny, humiliating
0: yeah. Cochalan. I mean, posterizing Cochalan. Premier League's equivalent of NBA Sean Bradley being dunked mm. on by Tracy McGrady. I was trying to think of ways that Azard, five foot eight, could have emasculated Coquelin more, Dave. I, mm. I think had Azard just stopped, put his foot on the ball, quickly whipped down Coquelin's shorts, pulled him over <laughs> his tiny little Belgian leg, his little knee, and given him a bare off slapping with the whole world. That, that did not. Have, that, that didn't that happen. Would, that that's because that's what I saw. That would have been. <laughs> 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 but even if it had I kept
1: on rewinding, the, rewinding it and watching it again, and I saw that exact thing happen every time. God,
0: Cockland meant to be the Arsenal hard man being humiliated by the oversized buttocks of a 5'8 Belgian. Hmm. That that was just Malcolm Butler level of self-destruction. Hmm. And the way Azard comically turned those last three Arsenal defenders into just a guard of honour, giving him a convoy towards the goal as he finished clinically. To me, he won Chelsea the title and then reeled away, Davey. An image which captured just this Conte Chelsea and the refound love for the game that Azarda summoned, resummoned, you could say, with Conte's enthusiasm, Conte's passion, Conte's determination to win, which really overfloweth.
1: Yeah, and then you looked at Roman's reaction up in the box. You look at Conte's Re- reaction. Re- Roman Abramovich to other people who don't hang out with him. Sorry, Roman's reaction up in the box. Roman Abramovich's reaction up in the box. Antonio Conte's um, uh, reaction on the sideline which was just extraordinary. Like, it's just extraordinary, just infectious, pure joy, uh, just fantastic. And the atmosphere in at the bridge, which is this is a ground that over the years has not really had early kickoff, not really had much atmosphere. I'm not sure I've ever seen a more emphatic goal celebration and just a, a roar of noise coming Uh, from that end of the ground. He's like Andrew W.K. He's
0: like Italian (laughs) Andrew W.K. when he celebrates these goals. But his counterpart, poor, humiliated Arsene Wenger, looking on in the stands where he's been Mm. dispatched during his four-game ban. As 30 delirious Chelsea supporters turn around to face him, waving their iPhones and iPads in his face, just taking images. I mean, a Kodak moment for haters. And you realise this poor man He's looking at Walcott, Ozil, Sanchez, all vaguely engaged. He's looking at Gabriel, the best chance Arsenal have, heading the ball at velocity, straight at Courtois, swatted it away with contempt. He has, after all, saved much more challenging headers from Gary Cahill during own goal training. <laughs> but we've talked about this for the last two seasons. I love
1: that theory. <laughs> you don't think they do that? I love that. All right, Gary, you're on. Yeah. Um, that's how Courtois, <laughs> that's, how, that's how Tibor <laughs> can really get tested. <laughs> it's not Costa that really yeah, tests. No, no, it's Cahill. You don't think it's Costa it's that Cahill. tests Cahill. Cahill. I think Courtois is so good at I
0: do think. I do think Courtois Cah- is so bloody good, and Bekovic, too when he gets his chance. Not because they're playing against Costa and Pedro and William in training. I think it's Gary Cahill <laughs> that just completely and utterly sharpens their reflexes yeah. to predator levels. But you look at it when. Crap went down. No Arsenal player on the field stepped up. No one was challenging his teammates to fight, believe, give their all. Something we've said about Manchester City at their worst this season. That the players seem mute and passive in times of turbulence because they know, they know that if they keep their heads down, Wenger or Pep in City's case, or Wenger out to give him his full name, he's going to be the only storyline. He's just going to be the tabloid piñata when the final whistle goes. And you've got to think, we'll get to this, Venga's presence as a manager in
1: the stands looking on like Sisyphus, it, it must be the opposite of motivation. Hearing you say that, it's almost a little bit like the kind of player who Arsene likes, they're like Formula One vehicles. That's what it, and this is the Paris-Dakar rally. That's what the Premier League is increasingly. And he just likes these sophisticated... High performance. High performance, high skill, high intelligence footballers. But ultimately, when the game needs, get in there... And get it by the shirt. By the way, he's got a few of those. Alexis yep. Sanchez, I think, is that player. Don't yep. think he was necessarily in this game, but I think he is that player. Um, but it's a... few more Carl Beckermans. Yeah, a few the more KB5s. I've got to tell you, it's just... It, 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 it's a certain thing about... You can certainly attribute some of it to just the style of player who Arsenal likes. There was still time for Arsenal to concede a third. A
0: symbolic goal. Poetic symmetry. Oh. That it was check The ageing Chelsea legend... His mistake setting up Fabregas with a faltering clearance. The man Arsenal fans once loved who defected and broke their hearts took two touches to unfurl a dagger of a chip. It seemed to take an age for that chip to loop
1: into the open goal, Davey. By the way, it was Just a, that was etern- a great finish. He, he, he took it so quickly it was, when it came on to him.
0: It was quick, but it still took an eternity and gave yeah. us too much time to ponder the emotional conundrum that is Arsenal. Mm. The empty promises, the lessons not learnt the frail beauty, the reinforcements that never arrive. Mm. Seth's refusal to
1: celebrate just seemed to accentuate the whole pathos and despair of the moment. I did think when I was watching that that Cess, yeah, Cess refused to celebrate but... By the same token, Cech should have refused to look so sad when it went in. (laughs) Czech should have been allowed to celebrate. Czech should have been uh, exactly. They didn't really counter each other out. (laughs) I sort of think it was a slightly weird moment. I
0: did love the Arsenal fan who the cameras found unfolding an Arsenal out. It's time to go sign from his pocket, where it spent eighty-five minutes carefully stored just in case. Mm. Who goes to an away game with a banner to pull out in case of loss, David? It's possibly the most Mm. English thing of all time. There was a late consolation for Giroud. Gave Arsenal a 4-3 aggregate win on the season. But Premier League football, it doesn't work like that, Arsenal fans. And the truth is, Chelsea humiliated Arsenal. Mm. It was the insipid loss to Watford earlier in the week which preceded it, which actually killed off Arsenal's season for good. I've got to ask you, though, is it all over, David? Chelsea, your 2016-17
1: Premier League champions? No, they're three games ahead, Rog, with uh, 14 games to go. That's a lot... Of football still to be played, um, in even three games ahead with ten games to go, even three games ahead with six games to go is not going to be uh, is, is not going to be enough. Um, the we saw last night a comeback of just the most epic proportions at the end of a game. That's what's so wonderful about sport. You can just never count your victory until you're all the way there. And I'm sure that Antonio Conte feels it. You read his his post match. Uh, comments. I'm sure that the players are feeling it. They're energized. They're loving their football. But I don't think in any way they're going to take their uh, foot it's off the it's accelerator. It's
0: amazing to me. In a title race that was meant to be the hardest, most competitive, most psychologically grueling of all time, mm-hmm. Chelsea have wrapped it up, Dave They have wrapped it up haven't. after 24 games. I mean, you look at who they have to play next, David: Burnley, Swansea, Watford, Stoke, West Ham. Crystal Palace. Then they have to play Man oh, West City. A hard game. United and Everton are the only two possible hangnails in the wake of that. No, West Ham's a hard game. The only thing I can think they're not going to win is because Arsene Wenger having leaked three in this big game is going to move to three at a back and kickstart a winning run that clinches the title because that's how it works. But, God, I feel for Arsenal fans. Like, I feel, in a way, for Atlanta fans if Atlanta lost the next 13 Super Bowls in the same way over and over and over again. Because news now that Arsene Wenger's been offered a two-year contract extension, it's not really what you want to hear. Not
1: great timing. No.
0: I mean, why would you want to keep this going, David? And if you do, what does it mean that you aspire to?
1: Yeah, look, and they're in a battle right now, once again, for a top-four finish. Um, And it's going to be very, very, very hard to take for their fans if they don't make it in the Champions League. But I think it should also be hard for their fans to take if they do make it into the Champions League because that's not the point of playing Premier League football. Um, it'd be different if they won the Champions League occasionally, but they don't.
0: They come out in the round of
1: 16.
0: They yeah. fight courageously for a top four finish. They crumble in January. Suffering nobly, Davo, is not winning. Yeah. And also not having to face up to change is not transforming the club. It's a vendor punct for Arsenal Football Club right this minute. Yeah. But from a Chelsea POV, revenge win. I did love how Conte admitted before the game Arsenal's 3-0 win early in the season had completely and utterly humiliated him.
1: Yeah, and humiliated the players. And he said they bounced back incredibly well from being challenged like that afterwards. And you could tell that it was, it's just something a little bit special for those guys. And look, a lot has been made, rightly, about the change in system. But it's not just a change in system; it's a mentality. And what he really talked about was bringing a team together and having them really play like a team, not a group of individuals. And they feel that when, when it's your left back who's turning up at the end of the, you know, six-yard box in order to go and like, you know, finish a header. That's a pretty remarkable, remarkable thing. You know what's fascinating
0: about Conte is that he's chosen to keep his team playing bold, potent football despite the wobble at Spurs. Stock contrast to a Jose Mourinho team where once the, there was some, the, a gap in the table and they were top, they just shut every game down. Negative, lockdown, dour, safety, first football. I just love that Conte took a moment to revisit the wobbling, faltering, brief, dark days he lived earlier in the season after the game. And he said, we drew with Swansea. We had defeats against Liverpool and Arsenal. And he said, in those moments, I just kept believing in my work. And I thought... If I have to die, at least I'll die true to my own ideas. Those, huh. Dave are words to live by.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Rog. OK, um, talk about dying with your own ideas. Hull 2, Liverpool nil. Jurgen Klopp's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad. 2017 <laughs> continues with a loss to the counterpunching Tigers. Goals from Alfred in Jai. Hashtag corner scraps. And Omar Nias dropped Liverpool to fifth. 13 points off Chelsea. Hull manager slash Jonathan Silverman (laughs) lookalike Marco Silva has now taken seven points from his first four Premier League games. He has Hull. Hull, Rog, within a point of safety.
0: Surprise loss. This shouldn't really be counted as a surprise anymore. Three out of Liverpool's four losses. No, oh,
1: we're really good against the top six. come
0: against teams in that bottom seven. Teams contented to sit back and just counter against a Liverpool team that have really thrived when they were able to press and counter. But, oh, poor, poor Liverpool. One win in their last 10 matches in all comps, out of the League Cup, out of the FA Cup in the last 10 days. They've had an even worse 2017 than the American democratic system, David.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it, it's been tough for them. Very hard to figure out. What went on in this game? Uh, yes, an improved Hull, but you just can't really see... I just couldn't really see going in Liverpool losing this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was all meant to be better for Liverpool the moment Sadio Mane returned from Africa Cup of Nations duty. Mm. But the troubles remained, and the big question, there's a head-scratcher. Where have the goals gone? I mean, once they gone 1-0 down after just signature slapstick comedy defending from a corner, there was a siege at the KFC. They never came close to scoring because just a combination of Hull's defensive solidity. Yeah. Jakubovic is now routine brilliance in goal. Coutinho's errant finishing. Liverpool just had all of the possession, created nothing. Two symbols of this team, Lallana and Milner, so menacing in the first half of the season. Limp replicas of what they were both replaced in this game. The grind of the season snuffed their spark. And Liverpool, Emre Chan, Lucas in the back, inherently mediocre and just absolutely unable to stop Everton flop. Omar Nias raced through to make it hold to Liverpool nil. i got to say, when he arrived at Everton for $16.8 million um, in February 2016, no one understood why this man was there. Huh. We didn't understand the plan. We didn't understand the brilliance of the plan. What is the point and of Omar Nias? Only this weekend did the point of Omar Nias come clear. But God, we've got to say Hull. club was meant to self-emoliate when they sent off Pillars, Robert Snodgrass and Jake Livermore in the transfer market. Can we just clap, that's, clap, clap? That's clap, who was Marco holding Silva. them back. <laughs> that's who was holding them back. It was, not, it was a snodgrass problem. <laughs> oh, Marco Silva, manager of the season contender if he yeah, keeps this team up. stuff. I mean, the same. We'll talk about Paul Clement and Swansea. Both men to me have just challenged that old Giovanni Trapattoni adage that, that a good manager can make a team 10% better Yeah. and a bad manager
1: 30% worse. Silva, he's made Hull 100% better. Yeah, so true. So true. It might be about modern football, Rog. That Tony wisdom just doesn't apply uh, to the way. And the modern percentages have changed in modern yeah, football. In modern football, modern football. Yeah, sports footballers, science
0: their mentality, who knows? Oh, but from a Liverpool POV, I think John Henry tweeted last night, Patriots in their seventh Super Bowl in the past sixteen seasons. Falcons, the sixth opponent the Patriots will face. And you look at his responses underneath to oh a to a goodness. proud Boston area sports tweet. Yeah. They're all variations in the scouts' accents of, why do we not have a goalkeeper? Why don't we have a central defender? Why don't we have a two-striker? But in language which Arlo White would refer to as fruity. But at a certain point, when do fingers start to get shoved at old Klopp himself? Or is his well of goodwill just inexhaustible?
1: Well, I mean, I think that Liverpool fans want to believe. Remember, we used to talk about this with Brendan Rodgers. They wanted to believe in Brendan Rodgers so much until... Suddenly, they didn't believe in him very, very, very strongly. He's a false messiah. It's so interesting what's going on with Klopp. He's had a terrible 2017. This has been an awful, awful year. It's tough to say exactly why. I don't know when it's going to turn. But I must say, when you're saying why have the goals dried up, it's such a mystery. The speed that you saw Liverpool play at early in the season, they just all seem much slower off the ball than they were. They just don't seem to have that speed. It could be how hard they're being you know, driven by Klopp. It could be what we've seen happen with Tottenham at the end of the past few seasons. That's it. You've started to see it earlier with Liverpool uh, this season.
0: To me, that is totally... I mean, it it still takes solace, Liverpool fans. The Liverpool local papers are still full of stories like this week's. A giant lamb weighing almost as much as a Staffordshire Bull Terrier has been named after Jurgen Klopp. They called it King Klopp. True story. So they still Mm. love him. But to me, Klopp's been punished for raising expectations uh, raising what is possible with a squad, which I guess Coutinho, Firmino, Mane, Lallana aside, when you look at it, it's really just mid-table in terms of quality. And he has admitted, to your point, his team are struggling mentally. Like Spurs last season exactly, when their title chase slipped, yep. they just wilted mentally. Liverpool looked to be suffering from that same melody. Apart from, they've still got a third of the season to go, Davo. Eh? And for their fans, the fear is their Champions League place could evaporate with it.
1: Liverpool, of all those teams, I've felt most of the season that Liverpool were the biggest danger to Chelsea, actually. And now how quickly they're fading away is, is sort of a shock. Everton on the outside rail. Mate. <laughs> Absolutely, Roger, if you want to believe that. Man City 2, Swansea 1, a 90-second-minute winner from 19-year-old Brazilian new boy Gabriel Jesus, his second goal of the game. That keeps City's title hopes on life support. Pep and Co are up to third, 10 points behind Chelsea, just four games back, despite the loss, Swansea keep their heads above the relegation zone floodline by a single point.
0: God, this was so close to being a remake of the Hare and the Tortoise played out in the Premier League game. City racing out, dominating, only for plodding, slow and steady Swansea to just gilfie their way back into oh, it. Oh, they gilfied. But it was not to be. Yeah, gilfie your way back into it. Thanks to that big story. It's another T-shirt, Roger. Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. The 19-year-old Brazilian sensation who wears the number 33 Mm. in honour of his namesake. JC is awesome. It was JC. It wasn't Jesus Navas. It was Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) 33. Do you know what the 33 is? Uh, Yeah, it's
1: the Christ's age at the point that he died on the cross.
0: Yeah. And to me, I'm watching Gabriel Jesus.
1: To save us all.
0: His arrival It's Mm. just triggered a fascinating city subplot. The fact that he has just adjusted with zero time into the hurly-bully of the Premier League. The battle between Hitmen. He and Kuniguero, as Pep, having dumped Joe Hart at the beginning of the season, showed he can be as ruthless in the striker position. This is trademark Pep, by the way, at Barcelona, he iced Eto and then threw out Zlatan. And here he selected Jesus for the second straight game, making City Legend, the iconic Kuniguero, sit down, which seemed absurd to many before kickoff, I mean to you, Dave, before the goals unfolded and the game went was it was did it seem like what is how can this be that you sit Kun Aguero?
1: yeah it's strange, especially for a game like this, uh, especially based on that sort of inexperience of the Swansea uh, backline. I think Mawson's going to be a great player he 's still very inexperienced i 'd love to see him trying to defend uh, Sergio Aguero seemed a strange decision ultimately got to credit our fellow bald he got it right i've got to say about
0: him he is not just ruthless but he's completely committed to his vision of football he wants defenders who attack attackers who defend bring their teammates into a game and aguero struggled at times this season not struggled as a goal scorer so much but he struggled to dominate all over the field which is what pep wants and that's why he's made this decision a decision which i'd say no other premier league manager would make i'd say that quite confidently I mean, it's completely head-scratching to fans, but Pep will have looked at the numbers and uh, as Sky have done. Jesus covers 11.3 kilometers a game compared to Aguero's 9.8. Jesus has 73 sprints per game compared to Aguero's 59. And that's why he'd make such a decision with complete surety, I bet. At Ben Goddard tweeted us and said, I was also dropped for Jesus by a girl I dated in college, so I understand just how Aguero feels. Yeah. We feel your pain. From the off, Swansea seeded the flanks, let City run onto them. Guardiola's team essentially set up camp in the Swansea box. In the 11th minute, David Silva wriggled, slipped out a nutmeg pass, doing what he does. Raheem Sterling did what he does. He fell over uh, and and the ball just dropped to the feet of Gabriel Jesus. Slapped it home with the enthusiasm of a young manic labradoodle puppy. And it should have been so much more, David. That was the odd part of this game because City dominated to such an extent. But the fact that it wasn't, you've got to credit one man and one man only. Paul Clement, Bob Bradley killer.
1: Definitely. What Paul Clement's done with this team has been so impressive. It's not just the results he's got, it's just the style of football has been just, it's actually, they're actually really attractive to watch now.
0: Stability. Yeah. Same lineup, three straight games, winning three and four before this one. And a belief, a belief in this team so that once City went into cruise control, which they have always done this season, even in their 10-game winning run that w- with which they started the season, they never truly dominated 90 minutes. And as soon as their focus switched off, Swansea just forced their way back into it because they just knew that City have a chronic defensive glass jaw. First Guilfi killed a free kick, top corner, only to be parried by... You know? Who did something that I've not seen all season. Which is a Manchester City goalkeeper making a save.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. We don't yeah. see that very often. No,
0: I've seen, it's, like a it's old school. It's like a Cleveland Brown player scoring a touchdown. But all the warning signs were there. Pep did nothing to change it. So there's no surprise when Guilfi actually struck, punishing John Stones for defending so ineffectively. Probably should have had an assist on the play. And you thought, what a massive
1: point. There's nothing you enjoy more than a, <laughs> than a, than a, than a piece of poor John Stones defending. It's
0: possibly the perfect weekend for Evertonians. Yeah. Not only did they win, but their reserves did for Sunderland. Liverpool lost and John Stones, I mean, continues his waking nightmare. But then at the death, the 93rd minute, Swansea poised to gut out an enormous relegation zone point. Jesus, in Kun Aguero time, took David Silver's pass, Headed it against Fabianski and was first to the rebound. By the way, his shot and the eventual goal, the only two shots on target, City mustered in that second half. Hmm. Jürgen Klinsmann always said, young players often do not know enough to be afraid. And you look at this young Brazilian with such joy, knowing experiences that only Marcus Rashford really knew so young. I could only hear the word as he reeled away in joy of Depeche bloody mode, reach out and touch faith. Hmm. He is Manchester City's own personal Jesus, hearing their prayers, someone who cares, their own personal Gabriel Jesus. But what is
1: amazing, David, it is amazing how quickly his presence has undermined that of Kunigueric. He looks electric, and not only, by the way, for City, this looks like a discovery uh, for Brazil of a new striker, something that they desperately, desperately need.
0: Yeah, Pep said before the game, you never know with strikers. It's like a watermelon. You have to open one to see if it's good or not. Life's just like a watermelon. That's yeah, very true. But, I don't have an avocado. Oh, talking about post game comments, Kuniguero, who suddenly seems like Rizzo, once the leader of the pack, turned the press beauty school dropout after Sandy D. Gabriel Jesus arrives at Rydell High. He's so often the scorer of last second goals, and he, instead he had to stoically face a barrage of questions. He told the media, I am learning from watching Jesus play, even though this is a 19 year old raw rookie, Premier League rookie in action, and then hauntingly added, I want to stay, but we'll see what the club wants
1: at the end of the season. The most confounding storyline of the season, Rog, Leicester 0, Manchester United 3. 2016 was such a crap year that the only positive story it brought us is now being destroyed posthumously. Manchester United systematically dismantle the defending champs at the King Power behind goals from Henrik Mkhitaryan, Zlatan, and everybody's favourite, Juan Mata. United's three-month unbeaten streak stays intact as they move within two points of the top four. Leicester are one point clear of the relegation zone.
0: (sighs) When United needed this, they've suffered a brief spell of dank mediocrity and musty, stale play. Jose Mourinho, before the game, talked about how some of his players had quote, not adapted quickly enough to the pressure... Of needing to win every match. And that pattern felt like it could be repeated in the early exchanges. United really toiled. But this is the team that come to life after they've scored a goal. And so it was yet again the Armenian spark plug, Mikaterian, who upped his gear as half time approached. God, he doesn't score mundane goals. He just broke through Leicester's shields. And like PK Suban, just unleashed a slap shot into the top corner. Of Schmeichel's net and Leicester imploded within one minute, 28 seconds. Slatan fired his 15th in 23 Premier League games past the despairing Schmeichel. And how bad are Leicester? Bad enough to make United look like a dominant, all conquering force again. They are one point out of the relegation zone. Last season, Davo, they were 5,001 to win the title. Imagine if he'd actually parlay bet that and had Leicester to win the title and then be relegated the next season. What has happened, helped us understand it. Whither? Whence? Where's the magic gone?
1: Well, look, this is the second season in a row that the champions have come out the next season and laid an absolute egg. Happened to Chelsea uh, the season before. Um, And I think there are a lot of the same factors at play. Uh, These are players who started to think that as individuals, they were more important than the collective, which is what got them there. Uh, There seems to be something of a strained relationship now with the manager. It's amazing. It's, I mean, that is truly uh, A, fun, a fun killer, Lord of the Rings, Ranieri. Yeah. Not, that, not so much. Um, and, you Bitter know... Bitter and lost. And I also think that the system, and this is, I think, true of what happened with Chelsea too, Mourinho's Chelsea, is that other teams have figured out how to play against Ranieri's system. Um, Which and, he's
0: tweaked and tried to change as, yeah.
1: as he's really floundering...
0: And rumours of his, this is astonishing to say, rumours of his possible firing. I know. Now abound, I David. I know. I mean, we, we had the pleasure of spending. Because he's only
1: won one Premier League
0: title. Well, you're only as good as. Uh, yeah, exactly. Your last. Your last Jamie Vardy y- biopic. Y- yeah, you're so right. I had the pleasure of spending last Friday morning with the Icelandic national team manager, Yeah. Jaimeer sent your favourite dentist manager, David. Yeah. And he talked about how hard it is to restart the energy of the team after the delirium of the 2016 Euros, to refocus, to re-energise, to reset goals for footballers after moments of unpredicted joy. And that's a challenge Leicester are battling and more. They are, to me, the Premier League equivalent of the 1998 Florida Marlins. Except as, Mm -hmm. at Vetchak tweeted, they're using almost the same players, Mm. which makes it even more astonishing. They are yet to score in 2017. Zidane described his t- the 2006 French World Cup team in a w- way which I think fits Leicester. They've only got two problems. They can't defend and they can't attack. And their upcoming game against Swansea City on Monday is going to be season-defining. Because right yep. now, bloody hell, this Leicester team, like Naina, Bahamén, Wright-Said-Fred and Chumba-Bloody-Wumba before them. Yeah. They could be football's ultimate one-hit wonders.
1: I remember all those people, like, just... The campaign, let's get Danny Drinkwater at the centre of England's midfield. It's like suddenly these players, it's so amazing. They're so in fashion. They go so out of fashion. Yeah. I worry about the status I worry about the status of the Jamie Vardy biopic. I'm, just, I'm not sure it's going to get made I now. worry
0: about Christian Fuchs' clothing line. I yeah. wonder how just how many Fuchs
1: he does give Yeah, him. no, you're absolutely right. OK, Rod, Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur, one, Middlesbrough, nil, a Harry Kane penalty. Highlights a mm, ho-hum Spurs performance. They stay nine points behind Chelsea in second place. Borough, on the other hand, continue to bleed out. They're only a point above the bottom three.
0: This Borough team, they are so hard to break down. Gibson at the back, so vigorous, so robust. And Spurs, slightly panicky. They had drawn up in wearside against Sunderland, a very combative Sunderland. And in this game, the same storyline playing through. Spurs of all the forward momentum couldn't make it amount to anything. Until the 57th minute, Son cut back in the area, clipped by Bernardo. Let's just say, Son's happiness is the world's happiest. I just love watching him interact with his teammates. He's got more personalised handshakes than that English teacher in North Carolina. Mm, he's good at the handshakes. Oh, he's got it down. We should cut all of Son's handshakes. Yeah, they're the amazing. To a roll. Just make, it's what the world needs. Kane. A handshake medley. Oh, a penalty, which may as well have just been uh, him turning around to the Spurs fans saying, everyone, just chill the f- out from the penalty spot Spurs continue to be wasteless over elaborate like a dog with a bone falling in love with its own reflection in the final third and in stoppage time Darun from Middlesbrough spooned a wonderful chance wide of the post which is exhibit A as to why this Borough team have only scored 19 goals all season it was an oddly fretful finish Mm. they're now nine points behind Chelsea you could say Chelsea's only true challenger and by true challenger we mean distant flailing pursuer. the prim- we say this every season the premier league you really need to consider playoffs to save the
1: intrigue of this yeah, season yeah i saw David. alexi lala's tweeted Did that he? i mean look you know i'm a big fan of playoffs You're a big maybe, fan of maybe maybe i'm a musician maybe maybe not this season rod right. maybe this season I'm, I'm not so interested in the playoffs but every year you look at the <laughs> every year you look at the matchups they'd be amazing chelsea against west brom in the first round I mean, that's like Conte and Poulos. They're sort of cut from the same stuff in a strange way. You then got Spurs against your beloved Everton, Rod. Let them play. Oh, you you love that idea. Let them play. Then in third place against sixth, the Manchester Derby, Rod. City versus United. And finally, rounding up the playoffs, four versus five. Very hard uh, to call this one Arsenal versus Liverpool. The playoffs would be amazing. Crystal Palace nil, Sunderland 4. Two clubs whose coffers have been depleted by Big Sam's juicy fruit habit go head-to-head and his former team bludgeons his current employer behind the ever-predictable Jermaine Defoe brace. What a Amazing. player. These two teams player currently prop up the table, sitting in 19th and 20th place, both on 19 points.
0: Big Sam Memorial Derby. She yeah, yeah. has a trophy made out of golden pie for the winner. God, what a wonderland for long-suffering Sunderland fans. Crystal Palace's defence just imploded early and often. Defoe, MLS's Defoe, striking twice. Sunderland have scored 24 goals this season. He's netted 14 of them, which is just unfathomable from the service he gets. Amazing. And the astonished look on all the Sunderland players' faces as they racked up four goals in the first 45 minutes was just like, do you not know who we are? We're Sunderland. We're meant to be s***. But, I'm hurting for Palace, David. I really am. I know you are too. Yeah, so much. Selhurst Park, one of the most fantastic places to watch football. Producer JW can validate that after going over the holidays. It is authentic, joyous. It's real. That's in good times. When they play fast-paced, winger-flowing, counter-attacking football, overachieving times. Right now, it's a viper's nest of despondency and disbelief. Yeah. And the biggest concern is this is a Big Sam side. Big Sam's sides they defend that's that, That's what a big Sam does I have not seen Premier League defending this disorganised this ragged since well I guess Swansea City earlier in the season dark days
1: yeah it is dark days you're not fit to wear the shirt sing the Palace faithful at the players uh, as they went 4 nil down Roger very very tough uh, to watch I've really got my fingers crossed for, for the
0: record for Sunderland the weekend my film airs they win 4 nil. just want to put out there yeah, So happy for the city. Yeah. The fan base suffering has not dented their passion whatsoever, their right. stoicism. And there was one quote from one of the fans in the film where he screamed at me. He said, we've won one trophy since the Second World War and we still adore this club. Mm. Can you imagine if we were actually good? Yeah. How it would be. I love that. That is complete Sunderland. And also, congratulations to Jack Rodwell, who was part of a winning team for the first time in 40 bloody games. That is 1,370 days
1: of suffering. I can relate (laughs) to that. Suffering which you took absolutely (laughs) no pleasure from, him being a former Everton player. But who's going to go down in your mind? (sighs) It's really tough because I think all of these teams have something to recommend them. I mean, Sunderland have suddenly started winning games. Hull, they've got their uh, new manager. You know, Palace, you've got to think that Big Sam has the experience of all of these guys to figure out how to keep his team up. Um, Swansea playing better football. I mean, just, it's very tough to figure out who's possibly going to go down. Swansea, Palace and Leicester, because the last two both seem to have lost
0: the will to live. I hope yeah, I'm Lester, wrong with Leicester,
1: honestly, would be almost my favourites to go down right now. <sighs> As awful as it is to say. Jamie Vardy,
0: Cinema, Jamie Vardy movie producers, every second yeah. one just tonally has to be yeah. so different. Just wait for the third one then, the, yeah, the, the
1: third sequel. Yeah, it's The Curse of Bocelli. With Ving Rhames as Bocelli. So right. It's going to be amazing. Although come to think of it, Now that I know your film is breaking this weekend, I think Sunderland are doomed. I think they're going down, Rog. (laughs) Uh, Okay, South... You'll always have the sausage
0: scene for my movie, people. Southampton 1, West
1: Ham 3. The Irons pick up their third win of 2017, thanks in large part to Andrew Thomas Carroll. Sounds like we're sentencing him, Rog, who scored his fourth goal in as many games. Dimitri Payet-less West Ham are now up to ninth. Just
0: saying, Dimitri Payet's exit. Back to Marseille with a chain of ill-advised social media posts following him on his private plane back to France, adding an unclassy salt in that wound of departure. Loathed when he left by West Ham fans and players alike, just taking a sharpie to the truly awesome memories that he created in his all-too-fleeting Premier League career. His final contribution, I guess, was to unite the locker room completely and utterly against him. Huge, ugly, turd-sized stain in a season of just over-promising and (laughs) under-delivering by the entire club. All of that promise, the excitement, the new stadium, the momentum, the world-class paillette, all gone. And West Ham, they're just living out the Game of Thrones quote that a day will come when you think you're safe and happy and suddenly your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth and you'll
1: know that debt is paid. And yet, as dark as you're being, this was a very good win. Muscle tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, West Brom 1, Stoke nil. The type of game and result that Tony Poulis dreams about. James Morrison's goal keeps the Baggies 8th and has West Brom threatening to bring their special brand of football to the Europa League. Are you ready, Lithuania? Watford 2, Burnley 1. Goals from Tredini and Mbe Niang We're Mbe Niang's team now. to into the top half of the table. Burnley continue their abysmal away form. They've earned just one point in their 11 games away from Dave Fishwick's fiefdom. Oh, Rog, I can't believe it. Everton 6, Bournemouth 3. No wonder you're in such again. a good we mood today. Again. Everton 6, Bournemouth 3. Three, oh, I've got to change my nine pants Nine goals. A Romelu three-pointer plus the free throw. And one. A Cherries almost comeback. I can only imagine how calm and level-headed you were during this one, Roger. Well,
0: I'll just say, Everton scored 36 seconds into the match. It was just an unbridled, unexpected joy, huh. The kind I'd feel for you if I walked into the studio one Monday and discovered you'd woken up strangely with a full head of hair.
1: <laughs> I love the fact you. Yeah, the most hilarious thing about that is you just called this where we're making this a studio. <laughs>
0: just wishing goodness upon yeah, you, this David. This room full of alcohol. I realise I don't want hair, yeah. but this being Everton, it was no straight line victory. Yeah, we crapped gold our way into a three-nil lead, total command, and then flung it away in a second half in which we just sat Gareth Barry deep and allowed Josh King to pounce twice just helter-skelter. We ran at Bournemouth. We didn't control the game. There was just frenzy that was not needed. 6-3 was the final score, but it was the most, God, bite your nails on the edge of your seat. Have tight sphincter, 6-3, I've ever lived through. Mm. It was ugh, eased by Romilly, by beautiful Romilly, finishing off a 21-pass, nine-player move. Fourth goal came minutes later. Romelu Lukaku, David, is now the Premier League top scorer with 16 goals on the season. Do you, from the outside as an objective football observer, think about Romelu Lukaku as a dominant, prolific goalscorer?
1: I think the frustrating thing about Romelu Lukaku is he has the ability to be a dominant goalscorer, and yet so often during the season he sort of drifts away from that and becomes very much an individual. And you're never quite sure of his commitment to the club that he's at. Whether he's at Chelsea, yeah, whether he's at Chelsea or at Everton, we just don't. Or or Belgium, frankly, we don't know how committed. He actually is. But he has all of the potential, all of the athletic and footballing ability to be dominant. I mean, he's fascinating. He's
0: an enigma. He can disappear from games. He can disappear from his teammates mentally. And when you think of potent goal scorers, you think Alexis, you think Diego Costa, you think Harry Kane. But he's scored more than all of them. Yet you still think there's so much more to come from him. I think part of it is that he's a big guy but he doesn't dominate like a big man should do, David. He's like an NBA big man with shockingly soft hands like a Dirk Nowitzki or a Kevin McHale. He is a footballing Sabonis. I'm trying
1: to think... It's a bit of an outer door as well. I'd have to say it's a bit of an outer door. Outdoor, outdoor is the same thing. You always look at Josie and you think, oh my God, you see... You could be so good, Josie. You could be so. And of course, Josie has periods when he's amazing and plays superb football. But you always think there's just a bit more in the tank. There's a bit more potential. There's a bit more of a footballer there. Romelu Lukaku, Belgian Josie. You said earlier Everton on the rails. You're very excited that they're they're making they're making the Premier League playoffs.
0: Yep. We're in the number seven this, slot, what taking what down Spurs in the first round. The How? EPL
1: playoff what is it? Up. Are you still thinking Everton could catch Chelsea to win the title? Anything's possible. Anything rog. is possible, David,
0: because yep. we are a team with young cultish delight, which was symbolized in this game by a delirious Ross Barkley celebrating a goal before he'd even rolled the ball into the net. Hmm. Oh, I adored it. And by the way, when you watch Everton celebrate goals, and I'm a big believer, seriously, in goal celebrationology. I actually have a PhD in it. I think it tells you everything about a team's chemistry and just the, 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 the kind of the, the communication and the bond between just the team. Everton celebrate almost every goal with 10 men and bridal unified joy, hmm. which is, I mean, very hard to get in this social media area where teams are really 23 players with their own Instagram accounts, their headphones on, and cell phones at all heads down at all times. Mm-hmm. All I'll say right now is that Everton definitely have a real plan for change under our new owner, Moshiri. Hmm. And I wouldn't have said that two months ago. Hmm. But football tells us that everything is just a wrong stadium move and a paillette tantrum away from going to crap, Davis. I'm going to shut
1: my mouth. Oh, that's interesting, Rog. Uh, it does appear that contemporary football history is speeding up, that you can suddenly go from being amazing to being crap and then be amazing again. Look at Chelsea's rollercoaster of the last... <laughs> You know, two and a half seasons. It's amazing, like this, the speed of that. Well, Usually, these are like slow moving boats that take ages to turn around. But to go from being so good to being so crap to being so good again, it just is, it's odd. The speed of everything. Premier League's just clash of clans, yeah. you cleat. <laughs> it is. It's so true. So true. Okay, Rog, time for our Togger fantasy football up. We're coming boom, off boom. a double dose of Togga this last week. Double rog, dose of with soiling myself. Say. Ever ninety one and the Tinker Men for famous names in the Togger universe. Rog winning weeks twenty three <laughs> and twenty four of the MIB League respectively. GFOPS, if you're not already signed up, it's easy, it's free, it can win you a crap patch. All you have to do is download the Togger app. There's a new winner every week, so it's never too late to join. Do you think there's life in other Togger universes or just ours? I think just ours. The other Togger universe is slightly <laughs> different, Roger. Uh January camp, US soccer's equivalent yes. to congressional hearings for presidential appointees. Bruce Arena's new look, USA side, Bruce Arena the beat, second, beat Jamaica 1-0 Friday night in Chattanooga behind, this is honestly, it's like a parody, uh, behind <laughs> a Jordan Morris goal. That comes not a parody. After oh, last godlike. Sunday's numbing nil-nil draw yeah. with Serbia. Two games into Bruce's second coming. A lot of new faces. Yeah. What do you make of it or Rocheli? I'd like
0: to call him Bruce Arena the second as if yeah, he's a I like monarch. That. I know because now we like Prince Charles more. Yeah, we love him. Love and we love him monarchy. We think oh, monarchy, monarchy. I'm suddenly becoming oh, incredibly... underrated. Oh, underrated. For the Bruce Arena, the second reign has begun. Yeah, we have two shoddy, forgettable games about which ballads will not be written and played on liars in future generations. <laughs> I mean, the US reminded me of me playing EA Sports FIFA against my six-year-old son. I love We have lots of possession. Oh, better than the
1: loop. Lyre, way much better than the loop.
0: In the final third. Yeah, Chattanooga, Tennessee, the second game. Against mm. Jamaica. Let's just say January camps, they are weird. They are weird beasts. No European-based players. It's yeah. like watching the coach try and whip up an amazing meal with just yeah. the limited leftovers in the fridge filled with old pizza. Yeah. What do we learn? Dax McCarty in his idiosyncratic white mock turtle undershirt was oh, aggressive in a KB5 way with his pressing and his link play and his partnership with fellow long-time Daenerys Targaryen exile Benny Feilhaber. I'd say that was promising. The Brazilian-American just mustered a cutting thrust that was lovely to see in the US jersey. And when they set up Jordan Morris, who Alexi Lalas confused with, saved by the bell, Zach Morris, in the <laughs> pregame
1: show. Oh, no surprise with his love of the Max.
0: First goal for Zach Morris since his Stanford sophomore debut uh, against Mexico, Dave. A big goal for Bruce Arena to break his ducks. I think the press would be very different if on the back of two 0-0 zero zero goals, Thank God the European big guns are coming back before the Honduras game. Polisic, Fabian, good, Fabian, Bobby Wood, and Mr. Bradley Guzan. But that game, David, just 47 days away. Got to mm. work out who that back line is going to be. Almost yeah. too many options. Incidentally, mm. the Jamaica game, our international team played on turf with hash marks. US men's national team playing on an American football field. At Eric Mathis said, All GFOPs have the dream that one day the NFL will play the Super Bowl in a stadium (laughs) with visible soccer markings on the field. That's amazing, yeah. Sport of the future.
1: Steps back into the center circle (laughs) in the pocket. Uh, Amazing, Rog. Okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, soccer scribe, Raven of the Week is from Nicholas Walker in Santiago, Chile. Rog, how do you, Rog, and please be as specific as possible, find time to read what must be at least a book a week. I mean, in which hours of the day do you find time to do this? I used to read, but then came real life and work and washing up and trying to sleep and watching football. Or do you have a basement filled with graduate students who feed you the executive summaries (laughs) just before we go on the air? And you, Devo, how do you find your time to stay up on fashion trends and clean your grill, play golf, and go to those fancy meetings in Los Angeles? What insight can you each share with GFOPs into your daily routines and time management techniques? How do you make time to do it all?
0: time management David what is the secret
1: Uh, I've read so many books about this because I'm obsessed with trying to squeeze out more hours of work in a day and the only tip that has ever remotely uh, borne any fruit with me and made me more productive is just to never put off doing anything till later you just have to do it right now you've got to answer every email as it comes in you've got to Make your phone calls. You gotta live in a list. You gotta make lists. You gotta make lists. I do do something. I do use a nine-box system. Uh, rog, is I make a nine-box when I come in. Three. Uh, uh, it's not nine, like three at the stand, back. Three. It's like building a tic-tac-toe board, and because sometimes to-do lists are too linear. And I like to visualize things, and so I make my list of the nine things I'm trying to achieve today, and I go and get them done. I also make my bed. The first thing I do every day is I make my bed because I get one completed task done every single day. Um, Getting out of bed is my first. And I don't. And I don't sleep. And I don't sleep that much, to be honest. I am so without sleep right now. I'm not sure I told you. I came back from Houston on Saturday morning. I literally got onto the plane and I was so tired, I was so exhausted, I just burst into tears in my seat. I hadn't even watched the blind side yet, Rod. I just call burst. the flight. For I me. just burst into yeah. tears immediately. Normal operating procedure, yeah. nothing to see here. And then I watched Hidden Figures at night and yeah. just I cried. I cried just basically through the entire film.
0: Yep. Oh. You should wait until you watch Sing, mate. You'll be oh. sobbing proper good and proper I I used to fritter away a lot of time quite happily Mm. watching Simpsons reruns on Fox NBA triple headers in the Marv Albert on NBC days I used to watch a lot of baseball but once I had a kid and I've talked about this on the show before the less time I had the more I began to value my time and then the more productive I became because I just became obsessed with making every moment count and I, I feel an incredible need to just always be trying to do something positive something constructive with as much of my time as possible. So step one, and you need to know this about me, and this can be a downside for many of our listeners, doesn't work for everyone. I don't relax very much. <laughs> I don't find relaxing relaxing. <laughs> I, I, I like to make sure I'm always in it. I love doing things, working, building, creating. And reading has become like an incredible core part of my life. Mostly because step two, so much of my life relates to football, watching football, talking about it, reading about it, thinking about it. That my wife made the observation and by observation i mean it was an executive order that i had to incorporate something into my life which was other it wasn't football It wasn't from the football world it was from the real world and so i started to read in cars on subways on planes and definitely for 20 minutes um before i go to bed to just clear my mind so reading fits into the crevices of my day in like two minute five minute 20 minute spells of brain stretching and for me, it's like a hedge a hedge against wasting my life. And I've got two slightly odd rules of reading that I'll throw in here because I don't know if anyone else feels like this. If I'm 100 pages into a book and I'm not totally hooked, I will stop reading because reading becomes a waste of my time then. And step I two- I do
1: that, but I divide that by 100. Yeah.
0: <laughs> page one has just page got to grab me. Page one hasn't got me. God, I'm not that's, in it. Phew, I I'm wish out. I had that. I'm out. And if I don't finish a book, rule two, yeah. I won't keep that book in my house. Because huh. I love my bookshelves, and I like to look at it often. Because looking at it reminds me of the idea I had when I read the book, and also the time and place when I read it. So if I don't finish the book, I'd rather you burn it. Find it. Yeah, books are for burning. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd, I'd rather give it to someone so it gets a home where huh. someone savors it more than I could. Huh?
1: Interesting. Give it to me. I'll put it. I'd gladly put it in my house. <laughs> um, uh, the one other thing. So I just want to add one thing. So the question there was about golf, and I do think this is an important thing. It's something that I've learned over the years about golf. Go on. Everybody, nobody admits to being a slow golfer, but you know what? You're all slow golfers. Everybody plays golf too slowly. The average pace of rounds is just going down and down and down. Me and my mates play really, really, really fast. No one can afford to spend too much time. We often play nine holers. Sometimes we play three hole matches. Like, it just you have to play golf fast. You can't take all day. <sighs> That's it, do you Roger. call
0: yourself the fast boys? You are like high five? You don't care what you shoot? Yeah, we, call, as, time. we call ourselves the fast We're boys. The fast we've boys. Got, we got t-shirts. What we got a, <laughs> we've
1: got a rat. What did you
0: shoot? You do a thirty-seven? I don't know, but we did it in eight, we, mi- we eight we minutes did it in and, and twenty-seven seconds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I
1: do. I do talk often <laughs> about breaking the land speed record at my club. Okay, Roger. Your weekend looks like this: Saturday, two of the Premier League's yes. most enigmatic characters perform as Zlatan and Manchester United take on Harry the Hornet and Watford at ten a.m. They're actually going to play football. They're not just going to. They're not just going to live carry on. They copulate. I know, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Pay-per-view, be amazing. Serious. That's followed by a key Don't match. Don't pretend you didn't think about <laughs> that's that. That's followed by a key match in the race for second as Spurs travel to Anfield to take on a desperate Liverpool at 12.30pm. And on Sunday at 8.30am, Burnley tried to temper some of Chelsea's momentum at Fortress, Turf, Mall. Oh, all of those games. By the way, we've now had two different names for Turf Moor in this one podcast. All of those Two games dubs on got the a NBC thesaurus. family thesaurus. He's writing it. He's the author <laughs> uh, on the MC family of networks. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for biggest Bigger's just click okay. off the Emporium page, and Men and Blazers gets a tiny percentage, Rog, that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week? I guess it might be a book. It
0: is a book. Oh. Dark at the Crossing by oh. Elliot Ackerman. What, the, I, I what only, page are you on? I only, I only just got past page 100, and I'm very glad I did. Okay, I good. finished it, but it almost missed the 100-page threshold. Yeah. I've been reading a lot this month about refugees. I'm sure I'm yeah. not alone and how humans never feel a noose that's placed around their neck until Mm. it suddenly is pulled unbelievably tightly. And this novel, it's an amazing attempt by an unbelievable American writer. I'd love to meet him. Mm. Ackerman, former Marine who's won a Purple Heart, and he's tried to place himself in the mind of a one-time Iraqi who, having served as a translator for U.S. Special Forces, has now decided to cross the border from Turkey into Syria to join the war there. It is a chaotic, challenging Ultimately, a deeply evocative read, opposite of a pleasure. But it's a story that <laughs> clings to you. It leaves you... <laughs> it leaves opposite you. of a pleasure? Yeah. Okay. But the best books often are deeply, deeply it's unsettling. It's opposite of a pleasure?
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: go I ahead. I love it. I love it, mate. You wear tight you underpants. Love, you love something that is the opposite of a pleasure. You wear incredibly tight underpants. The that's unsettling
1: to me. This is the second <laughs> time today you've talked about my underpants. Yeah, it's starting week, to make me a little that's, uncomfortable. That's <laughs> no, no, let's talk about this. We're not cutting this. We are not cutting it, JW. What? You are talking about my underpants a lot right now, you and I think me, we've got to analyze this. You tell me that
0: you wear incredibly. You like. You like your underpants incredibly untight. I never told you that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> what? What are
1: you talking about? You're just obsessed with my underpants. Some people like tight yeah.
0: underwear. Yeah, you know, constrictive. Some people do. Yeah yeah maybe you yeah i like to uh sometimes read a book which is a mm. bit unsettling and yeah. it leaves a a real legacy of numbed empathy that's amazing yeah. to me
1: yeah uh okay rog uh honestly i've put many great things in the Amazon great store things before. your things are the best things no this is of all the things yeah this is the best of things it because is. there's the everybody best words. i'm advising everybody who listens life to this podcast come on to get this, including you, Rog. I love it. I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm in. It's Dr. Mercola's liposomal vitamin C. (laughs) 60 capsules, 30 servings, higher bioavailability potential and protection against intestinal discomfort. I'm telling you, I've taken vitamin C for years and it never worked, really. I I always felt, take vitamin C, drink orange juice, eat a grapefruit. It's going to stop you from getting sick. This vitamin C, I don't understand what liposomal is. I was calling it liposomal. I've now realized the word is liposomal. I don't understand how it works. I don't know what liposomes are. I've, a few people have tried to explain it to me, and I literally drift off three words in. I, I can't follow it. But some, maybe somebody could send me a raven and tell me how it works. This bloody works. I feel indestructible right you now. Think- I've been getting no sleep. I've I've been on the source, Rog. I've, 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 I've had a bit to drink. Yeah, I'm telling you, out. this winter, I have not got sick. I've been in really good... I'm, I'm really damning myself right now. But I am... I've been, I've felt healthier than I've felt in my life. Yes, I'm also pescatarian Devo now, but I am feeling great. And I believe that I can trace it down to this liposomal vitamin C. I do not own shares in Dr. McCullough's you company. Don't. I'm not a paid spokesperson, Rog. This stuff is magic. God. It is magic, magic, magic. Buy it, go now. Change your life, tell your friends, tell your family. It's good stuff. God, bro. I've
0: got to tell you, I feel for a second when I was looking at your eyes that we were in the Wild West and yeah. we were just on a medicine ship Did shape. I just sell that? We are just rolling Did into just town. Devo's medicine ship
1: We're going to sell a boatload of this stuff. I love oh, it. Really, Dave, really good next stuff. Next
0: week, you've got to tell everyone about the leeches you've attached <laughs> to your nipples.
1: Oh, well don't it's it's better than tight underwear Roger visit meninblazers.com to sign up for a newsletter which we produce with our partner Guinness we have a new issue going out this Friday speaking of our newsletter a massive thanks to all GFOPs who donated books to America scores you are amazing genuinely genuinely amazing this it's an organization that promotes football and poetry at schools across North America for more information on where you can send your spare football books please log on to meninblazers.com everything you need to know is on there basically we suggested in the newsletter that you donate uh, a to America schools, they sent us a letter blown away by the, the response of, our of GFOPs. GFOPs
0: who have done that, have bothered to go with the books they didn't want. Really beautiful, put them in the mail to children who desperately yeah. crave them. You guys are amazing. Yeah, our listeners were yeah. really, really blown away and grateful. Yeah. Well, two and a half
1: thousand of those books did come from Rog. <laughs> Because they're the books he never got past page hundred of. It's okay. For the children. Uh, you for can the children. follow us on Twitter at Men and Blazers at embassy Davies at Rog Bennett. On Instagram at Men and Blazers at embassy underscore Davies. On Facebook, uh, Men and Blazers. You can always email us at men at gmail.com. Always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex my tombo? Explosion. Play the babies. Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? To tweet. Abrigado, rock on mate. Kung Fu fighting America. Love you,
0: Dave, Love you, Rog. And your lipo-sommel. <laughs> <laughs>